in which case, tell other people to see it. Do that kind of job, you know. Share that, you know, seed, you know. <laughs> oh, God, that's gross. Yeah, keep digging that hole. Yeah, yeah, boy, yeah. Just <laughs> jizz on I people. Just, Come I'm, on, I'm people. Whistling, jizz I'm on people. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Sound good? Yes, sir. I know who I am. Did IQs just drop shot? I could have been. I, I have planned. I like this All shit. Is it's a lost will. You are exciting. Dance off, bro. It is your destiny. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Hello and welcome to Atlantic Screen Connection episode 14. I'm Jason. I'm Lee. And today we get to talk about Arrival. Denis Villeneuve's Arrival. And I'm the only guy who can say it right because I speak French. I, I, I was thinking this, <laughs> the, 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 like the mass fallout that people can't can't say his name. I don't even think I can say his name. It's Well, it's because, you know, even when there was Formula One, when uh, Jacques Villeneuve and, and Gilles Villeneuve, they were race car drivers that came from my neck of the woods. And that's it. Denis, Denis Villeneuve uh, comes from Three Rivers. I mean, that's about, what, maybe uh, 150 kilometers away from where I live. Right. And so it, it's really cool to have a, be able to talk about a movie from a guy that's from my neck of the Ridiculous, woods. Ridiculous, so man. Much, yeah, it's so cool. It's so cool. I've never met him. I wish I would have before he moved his ass out to Hollywood. But anyway. <laughs> Hopefully, fingers crossed. He still shoots in Montreal. A lot of Arrival was shot in Montreal. Yeah, wow. And so, yeah, it's really cool. So, yeah, if you guys really want, uh, like, just a, a little diction class on how to say his name, it's Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. So that's the way you say his name. Cool. Denis Villeneuve. Damn you, Google. You've uh, you've misled me. <laughs> Villeneuve. I even saw people. I even saw people misspell his name. They like they, they don't know how to spell. Oh, it that's just not trying. So Villeneuve. I was like, he's not Spanish. Yeah, what the wow. fuck? <laughs> so how you doing, man? Let's get to that. Instead of just giving a diction class on how to say a guy's name. In 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 the episode about um, linguistics, it's quite important to start with the diction and move on from there. <laughs> Especially for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm crab man. Yeah, we we. This is like it's so weird because we're recording so soon after our our latest episode, the Paul Thomas Anderson retrospective. So I haven't even got my head past the fact that that was only like two three days ago, and now I'm already back in this room recording. So I'm uh, I feel a little stir crazy. <laughs> But uh, excited, uh, definitely. Uh, I've been kind of broiling over Arrival for almost a week now, so I'm so ready to get it out off my chest and let's discuss it for a while. Yes, you're happy the day has arrived? Yeah, at last. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And, and you, you, you pointed out something really cool. We've actually made it this far, and we can go back to, when say, episode two, when we promised not to watch a trailer. That's right. Like you said. You know, and we mentioned it on the last podcast you know and now we get to talk about it because we did keep our promise i didn't watch any of the trailers i saw only the teaser when it came out and uh, i think it was better for it i tried to even tried to avoid the promotional stuff posters and whatnot so that i could actually have a, a better experience when i went in and yeah. you know what i i really think it paid off oh yeah definitely i you know what i almost didn't make it though uh the literally the oh. week before the film came out i was in the cinema watching nocturnal animals uh which i talked about two episodes ago right and uh before the show the the week before the film the trailer played 
And I was stuck in the theater with it on. And I literally, I had my hands over my ears. It didn't do anything. So I looked dead down and I zoned out. I went on Twitter and just tweeted the experience of being, you know, forced to watch the trailer and distracted myself. So I didn't actually take in any of the information, but the fucking film sabotaged me, man. (laughs) I did the exact same thing when I went to see Jack Reacher. Oh, they played the trailer. And so what? What I did is I, I immediately looked down at the floor. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I looked down at my bag of popcorn and started counting. One popcorn, two popcorn, two popcorn, <laughs> four. Just singing a song in my head just to make sure, you know, that I didn't see anything. And that's it. When I when I, um, when I I heard the sound just die down, I was like, okay, yeah, I've, I've yeah. done my job. Those motherfuckers, they're putting me through hell. But I, I, at least I haven't paid attention to anything. So yeah, I, I know exactly how you feel. They did the same thing for me. Yeah, I mean, like, we made the kind of... Pro- I made the promise you didn't about uh, Rogue One. I, I couldn't keep that promise. So I'm... I'm it's It was all... Not the same. <laughs> uh, yeah, but also, like, the, like when I was in the theater, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to fight this too hard. You know, the, the finish line's like a month away. <laughs> but uh, Arrival, I was like, no, it's setting itself up as some kind of mystery. There's no fucking way. I, need, I, I have to try not to see this. So, and it paid off because it... Oh, oh definitely. A lot of its, a lot of its uh, twists, as we'll get into, kind of their their best effect is if you've seen as little as humanly possible so oh yeah and that's it right now i'm telling you in advance everyone who's listening right now this is a spoiler heavy definitely uh, discussion on arrival so if you haven't seen the movie like you know you could listen to the first part of what did you watch this week which should be really damn short this week uh because our last episode is an hour and 50 minutes we are apologized for that there was so much to say and we're trying to keep arrival a little bit shorter uh so yeah but this is going to be a spoiler we don't we don't want to censor ourselves we talk about the movie at great length and whatnot and so you know if you've seen the movie this will give you a little bit more insight as to what to look for if ever you decide to see it again and if you haven't please just tune out we don't care uh, we love the fact that you're tuning in but just tune out for this one see the movie go and then see come the, back yeah and go see hi. the movie here's the official stamp it's already we can certifiably say that this film is entirely worth your time so go see arrival and then come back yeah. and then listen that's Let's discuss Arrival a little, and, and, and then we can love to hear your feedback on it. And then you can tell us about the experience that you yeah. got from just zooming out right the fuck now. <laughs> yeah, don't wait for Netflix. This is worth your money. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. That's, that's good. That's worth, yeah. that's worth noting, definitely. So, other than that, do you want to talk some football? <laughs> racing. Tell me about racing. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, gunning, I'm gunning for Nico Rosberg. I'm hoping he gets his first world title. Just because I'm not a Lewis Hamilton fan, I think he's a pretentious fuck. He is. But that's it. You know, my favorite driver is Fernando Alonso, and he's one of the old guys. He's probably going to retire in the next couple of years. I recognize that name. Yeah. And he, he, I mean, to me, he's one of the best of all time. He just happened to... He made weird choices. He happened to be, like, at the wrong place at the wrong time. Sure. As opposed to the opposite of that. Yeah, right place, <laughs> decent time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm hoping I'm hoping he gets one last title before he retires. I mean, he's not an old guy, but I mean in racing in racing age, he's getting up there and sure. he's going to be 36. Wow, ridiculous, yeah. His days are done. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, you know. But that's it. So I'm hoping that the last race of the season um out in um in Abu Dhabi is going to be a, a fun one. I'm hoping that uh, Rosberg wins. So, Mr. Rosberg, I know you're not listening, but I'm gonna <laughs> for you. Take the race. And you know what? You're ahead in the championship right now. All you have to do is hit him in the first corner, take him out of the race. <laughs> so, all right. Anyway, so let's try to move on. What did you watch this week, sir? Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we should ask what you watched this week first. <laughs> well, I'm gonna play I'm gonna play a trailer and it's only gonna be silence. 
Our Lord said to them, Go ye into the whole world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Ferreira is lost to us. He denounced God in public and surrendered the faith. That's not possible. Father Ferreira risked his life to spread our faith all over Japan. It seems to me that our mission here is more urgent than ever. We must go find Father Ferreira. This is in your hearts, then, both of you? Yes. Then I must trust God has put it down. The moment you set foot in that country, you step into high danger. for your glory is their suffering. It's too dangerous. We asked for this mission. I didn't watch anything. I I haven't watched anything this week. I I, um, I saw Doctor Strange with the kids. I saw Arrival. So we could talk about it. Uh, by the time they hear this, I'll have seen Arrival for a second time. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've taken it really easy. Like I said, I was trying to get ahead on, on work. And so I did. I got ahead on work. So essentially, that's that was basically my week. I spent a great time with my girlfriend, with the kids. And yeah, I didn't do shit, man. I didn't watch anything. I watched a couple episodes of The Office. I watched Jedi Council on Collider video because i watch that show all the time i love it <laughs> and that's it that's all i did man you how about you what did you watch i um i watched two films that i had never seen before uh which it's gonna sound bad because they're two big films that most people like so <laughs> the first uh i seen was uh close encounters of a third kind oh nice yeah so i'm it's obviously it's steven spielberg richard dreyfus critically adored film it was a oh, yeah. it was a big deal when it came out even though it came out after you know star wars and we'll We'll talk about that a little later. But uh, yeah, I, I saw that uh, David Hart was doing an episode on Close Encounters. And I thought, yeah, yeah. well, I like listening to that show. And uh, I uh, I know Arrival is going to be a film that's not going to be a traditional alien invasion film. And everybody says, well, there's one anti-traditional alien invasion film that already exists. So maybe you should equate yourself with that. And uh, 
So I did. I went, I sat down, I spent the, the whatever it is, two and a half hours watching it. I, I fucking loved it, as to, as to be expected. It's uh, the most Spielberg-y Spielberg film ever made. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but I really liked it for that. I, I thought it was uh, pretty ballsy. I mean, I can't think of a film that I've ever seen so blatantly in love with its like subtext and yet somehow kind of marketed to a mass audience for like suspense and thrills. It's really, it's a, it's a very strange film. It's full of all kinds kinds of jarring crap. It has one of possibly the most frustrating and least likable uh, protagonists of all time. But at the same time, you believe in his journey and uh, you believe you, you do want to see him find his meaning, basically. It's 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 a really solid film, really recommendable. It's, and what's great is uh, that it turns out that it has very little in common with Arrival, shockingly. So um, this is not, I'm not going to make a comparison piece, uh, which is great because I didn't want to. I don't like to, you know, I like thinking of films objectively. So yeah, I absolutely had a great time with that. Can't believe it's taken me this long to see Close Encounters. Anyway, the other film I seen this uh, this week was uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, again, for the first time, I that one I got, uh, that was a recommendation on you and, and Sarah Buttery's uh, horror yeah, films horror, for wimps. Horror for wimps, yeah, absolutely. List. And it was, it had the, possibly the lowest rating on the entire list for scare which which sounded like great news for me i mean like i don't mind scary films that much but uh i i i'd always kind of meant to get around to pan's labyrinth because i i like guillermo del toro and i, I thought uh it'd be interesting to see a, a his you know what people really respect him for the big one i mean i'm sure they respect him for some of his older stuff but the big blockbuster that everybody kind of knows uh so i sat down and man it is like i don't know is it's kind of perfect oh yeah uh, it's gorgeous gorgeous film at the first five or ten minutes i have no interest whatsoever and i was like oh i don't know if i'm gonna get this i don't know if it's gonna be it's maybe one of those pretty but vacant films right. uh it is not it is uh it is incredibly well thought out it is deeply rich with characters and adventure and and subtext and meanings uh it's there's there's it's so ripe for interpretation, but at the same time, it's it tells an actual fun story that even kids can engage with. So, and it's a proper fairy tale, like a proper modern fairy tale with you know no ifs, no buts. And and by the end of it, you know, I know if I went back to that first five or ten minutes, I'd appreciate the shit out of it. You know, I know that I'd l- I'd look at it and go like, yeah, I see what they're doing here. They're making me not care for a reason, you know. (laughs) I absolutely love Pan's Labyrinth. If you've never seen it, um, you know what? What surprised me is that I didn't know it was actually um, foreign language. I didn't know it was actually in Spanish, which is is strange. I just assumed it was in English. Uh, So, but I, I think that added so much more to it. Uh, especially oh, yeah, in the definitely. context of like the the setting of it, and mm-hmm. I don't know if we could ever imagine the um, the fawn in an English yeah. accent, you know, or you know, I I can't I, I can't picture him at all. Oh no, it would with weird. another voice, they'd make him sound like Gollum or something. Yeah, exactly. So I I don't know. That's there's so much to love about this film. I totally recommend it. Uh, and that was me. That was that's short and sweet. <laughs> I've 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 bought Pan's Labyrinth three times now. I went to see it in the movie theater when it came out, and uh, I, my uh, my kid's mother was pregnant with uh, my daughter at the time, and I was like, "Hey, we have to go see this movie." And um, she, she had, uh, if you're pregnant, don't watch it, please, because it really <laughs> didn't boil over well with the kid's mom. She didn't feel well at all during the movie because it is extremely violent as a film, uh, and there are oh scenes yeah, that are, quite uh, that are a little bit intense. 
to say the least. Anyway, but that's it. I bought the films three times. I went to see it twice when it came out. I have it. I had it on DVD. I bought it the day it came out. Uh, when it came out on Blu-ray, I bought it on Blu-ray. And then just recently, Criterion put out a Criterion version on Blu-ray. And I was like, well, oh, of course. There goes another thirty bucks. And so yeah, so I have all these versions <laughs> at home. It's great. I, I that movie is it's beyond amazing. Uh, to me, Del Toro forever will have been robbed uh, of of the best picture for foreign language film and as the best director. All right, so that sums it up for what did you watch this week? That's right. So stay tuned. Here's the trailer for Arrival. Uh, I don't know if a teaser or trailer, Lee. A teaser. My God, yeah. We'll put the teaser. It's much shorter, so you guys will be able to hear Lee's lovely voice after this. Damn right. <laughs> there are days that define your story beyond your life like the day they arrived colonel pack your bags language is the first weapon drawn in a conflict it's quite a greeting damn well he wrote it you are on the top have everyone's list when it comes to translations priority one what do they want where are they from Not everyone is wired for what you're about to do. So what do they look like? You'll see soon enough. Every 18 hours, door opens up. That's where we go in. It's time. What happens now? They arrive. And welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed the teaser trailer for Arrival. Denis Villeneuve's umpteenth film. I don't remember exactly how many he's directed so far. It goes all the way back to 1997, I think. Uh, So Arrival stars Amy Adams as Dr. Louise Banks. Jeremy Renner as Ian Donnelly. Forrest Whitaker as Colonel Weber. Michael Stuhlbarg as Agent Halpin. And Sima as General Shang. Lee. What did you think of Arrival? I um, I thought it was better than Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to go there? Let's go there. Yeah, fuck it. Okay, we already said that uh, we love this film, so that's that's yeah, obvious. Really that's a given. Film. Yeah, I, I saw I saw a tweet from Hal Rudnick from Screen Junkies that said basically, and this was it. This is how he summed up Arrival. Literally, yeah. Arrival. Yeah is greater than Interstellar. So he had Arrival and then with a little with that little arrow basically and then Interstellar. And I just kind of lost my mind. And it's not because I prefer one over the other. It's because I don't get the comparison. I don't get yeah. why these movies need to be pit against one another. These aren't superhero films. This isn't Marvel versus DC. These are two science fiction fantasy films that are exploring things that need to be discussed in society today. And they do, they're doing it according to their own rules. Now, I don't get what the fuck there needs to be a competition about. I saw a couple of people like his tweet. I think he got like over 200 and some odd likes. And I was like... This is one of the problems that's going on right now is where it's going against the message of both films. People need to talk (laughs) about specific things. These movies need to be analyzed as the cultural phenomenons they are, what the messages are. Not like saying, oh, this is better than that or this is greater than that. I understand preference, not a problem. If you preferred Arrival, if you preferred Interstellar, or even if you preferred Gravity, 
that is totally cool. I get that. I mean, yeah, Interstellar right. is out into space with the themes, whatever it's exploring there, and it has science in it. Arrival takes place on Earth. You're comparing apples and oranges. It doesn't make any sense anymore. It, it got me really furious. I think that's one of the problems with criticism right now is that people are trying to find points to argue with. And I, I'm, I'm glad that possibly it got him a couple of likes and put him in a spotlight for a minute or yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. But that's going to die out eventually. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's... That's probably the good thing out of it is that this probably did give uh, Villeneuve uh, a sort of boost uh, for Arrival in box office as people went, it's the Interstellar that doesn't suck. If people read that and they thought Interstellar sucked, fair enough, then that lured them to watch a, a brilliant film and they can they can tout how great it was in comparison all day long. But everybody else, this it doesn't make sense to me at all. It's These are two great leaps for modern science fiction when i when i saw interstellar for the first time when i came out of it i said i want this to be a new wave in science fiction i want this to be the the return to form for the for the introspective nature of of science fiction that we use all these sort of futuristic um on and slight twists on on narrative and and invention and we use that to, and we turn it back around on ourselves. We look at little bits of humanity through these these leaps in like logic. Uh, that's what I loved about Interstellar. It was a like a heartfelt uh, ex- exploration of our own humanity. And that's great. Arrival as well is a great exploration of uh, and a social commentary as such on where we are right now to, uh, of one of many millions of readings. But that we're pitting these two against each other when these should be golden gods next to each other. That's, I mean, it's exactly. so pointless. It's, it doesn't do anybody any favors. We can, ha- we can live in a world where these two exist and actually benefit us. And, and, and they happen to be of the same wave. And in 10, 15 years time, people aren't going to know about this petty squabble. And they're going to look back on those two films and think, wow, what a great time to be alive for science fiction. You know, blockbuster... Exactly. Huge blockbuster. Two of the greatest film directors of the 21st century so far have both sat down and made a very strong science fiction film. I, that you would think that they, they even remotely intend to compete is ridiculous. Uh, but that's that's funny because, as you might know about um, Close Encounters and Star Wars, there was a very similar film. That if you, they were like two years apart. They were two huge directors. They were like phenomenons of their time. Uh, But when Close Encounters came out after Star Wars, it got negative reviews from people of the time because it lacked the warmth of Star Wars. But they are completely uncomparable. They are not even remotely narratively similar. They don't have... It's and almost exactly in the same way as Interstellar and Arrival. One's in space, one's on Earth. They're not even remotely the same. They're not even the same. Like you know, like we've talked about, like the seven or nine stories that you can tell. They're not even like that. You know, they're not even like when you break them down to the, the, the most base level. They're not even the same arc. So the people can't see this is, is and that we're falling into the same trap again. This is what happens to science fiction. We we bully it and we beat it up and then people stop wanting to make it and then we lose what is usually like our most exciting genre to see both in terms of spectacle and on commentary so let's get over this let's enjoy interstellar for interstellar let's enjoy arrival for arrival let's let's not beat ourselves up trying to pick one over the other enjoy both no that's it these two movies should be taken for what they are this exactly. is cinema we're talking about. This isn't superhero culture anymore. It's a very different thing. You guys can compare if you want your Batman versus Superman versus a Captain America Civil War. Go ahead. Have at it. No problem. Do that. I have a problem with that as well. But like as 
as we've talked in our Suicide do, Squad I episode, do we do have an issue but with I'm that. Just, but I mean, well, we talked about overhyping, and I don't think that this is that case. Yeah, you're, you're right. This, this is a, case, it's a different spin. You know, yeah, this is cinema. Leave my fucking films alone. Go <laughs> fight on your side of the fence and leave my films alone. Yeah, I, I, I love talking about this shit, and and it sometimes I think people they just miss the point just a little bit. You know, mm. cool. All right, so. Rant's over. Let's talk about Arrival. Let's talk about Arrival. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I have to be honest. I liked Arrival, uh, but I didn't like it right away. <laughs> I, 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 I want to hear what you. I want to hear what you have to say. But I, I, I think I had something similar. <laughs> After watching it, I was walking home with my my girlfriend, and I told her, and then she could testify to this i felt a little angry i thought something was missing even though i had had like a, a really good time watching it something was just fucking with me yeah right and that's normally the sign of a goddamn good movie one of those one of those films that you know inside i'm like you touched me in a place you weren't supposed to because yeah, you're I not allowed lie. to exactly i kind of still processing the film the review will kind of go into the minutiae of how I've interpreted a lot of this stuff as we get through it, but uh, I can't say that this is not an excellent film. This is um, one of the better films I've seen this year, and I'm still processing it. It'll probably end up being one of my all-time favorites. I liked uh, I liked Arrival quite a bit, it's safe to say. How about you, sir? Yeah, when I first sat down to kind of watch it, I kind of got this uh, sensation of dismay. Right. Because I, it's something I'll, I'll talk about a little, but it's I had seen a lot of stuff before. And that was kind of like a, a shaking off expectation point, you know? Try as I might to go and see a film completely objectively, and sometimes you walk into it, you can't help but have an expectation built in your head. And as I was starting to watch the film, I started to realize I had... Even though I had avoided seeing trailers, I had still managed to build up an expectation of the next Villeneuve film, you know. So because I'm a fan of the director, I was expecting something that was going to blow my mind from from second one, which is ridiculous and not reasonable. And when I when it starts with the with a sort of slow paced monologue over the top of some sort of right, cuts yeah. of 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 uh, Louise's you know life with her daughter, I I felt jarred in in an uncomfortable way. I felt that this the film had kind of cheated me at first because a lot of what the dialogue was was kind of intentionally wishy washy. I want to put. I want to say yeah. that kind of. And um, I immediately went like, "Oh no, oh no, I'm gonna hate this." And I, I, I wasn't prepared to hate it. You know, I, I'm. It's gonna disappoint me so bad because it's got bad writing. Oh thank God, it wasn't. It, like that was me. That at a point, I just had to sit down and say, "No, no, rethink this. Why would this be this way?" You know, but you've seen other films like this. So while I didn't have that feeling by the end, I I did start with that. So it was kind of an inverse of what you experienced. At the same time, so by the time I walked out, I knew that I I genuinely enjoyed the film. I had already kind of worked out a few things that didn't connect. And I still hold they didn't connect for me to make this that film that I'm going to be thinking about 24-7 like I did Interstellar when it first came out. But it's not the point. It's not comparable. It's a totally different story. It's To me, it's not supposed to be as personal. It's not... But it is a, a complete... It's a brilliantly told film that I, I know I want to see again. I did. I wanted to see it before we did our recording session. You already booked yours, but it was the day after the recording session to go see it again. Yeah. I, I didn't get that chance because I know there was so much more I wanted to dig into. But as far as my initial review goes, it does get across my 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 main sentiment. I knew this was 
a fantastic film, much like Midnight Special. I knew it was an A, it wasn't an A plus for personal reasons, but I couldn't knock anything that the film was showing me realistically. It didn't take that extra step, right. but I, there's a there's much lesser films that do just as much, you know, for me. So that's that was my impression overall. Cool. Because because we're both coming at this movie and we have very positive things we want to talk about, I want to get through the negative first because, you know, uh, we're going to have a longer time to, to talk about the positive. So, you know, I, I can tell you what I think. Yeah, go ahead. So I, I thought that uh, as a negative, I thought it was a bit naive to think that language was kind of the only real barrier. I mean, that sentence that comes up at the beginning, language is the first weapon drawn in conflict. And I was like, okay, that's kind of a fun way to put it, you know? And mm. I don't think that the Chinese and the Russians are going to feel really cool about the way they're being portrayed in the movie. <laughs> so, no, certainly you know, not. I, I, I thought that on that aspect, and I mean, this is me being nitpicky, but I'm pretty sure it's going to play much better in the United States than it will play in China, where they're going to be like, oh, we're the ones responsible responsible for all this shit you know maybe yeah, if you guys yeah. saw things the way we see things then you wouldn't be saying something like that so sure well i mean i guess in in a, in a defense of the film i don't think it intends to be a, a sort of cure-all to all the world's ills but it does it, it is pointed to the american audience i think it's kind of more of a, of a perspective of what actually damages americans and it's their their outlook on life is to sort of shoot first ask questions later I, it's not obviously that's generalizing it's a generalizing kind of all moral tales are you know, they they generalize what is a core issue and then they generalize a solution to it. So yes, that's you could say all fairy tales are naive. Agreed. You know, they, they try to tell us one thing, really, or there are one message, maybe two. And they, they simplify it so that children can learn from them. Uh, Arrival does a very similar thing. It, um, it tries to make its message palatable to audiences so that they'll actually gain something from it. So yes, right. it is naive. It's certainly not something that you should go out and just say, if only we, you know, if only we could speak the same language, we get each other. Obviously, there's more at play than just understand. Because if you if you start talking to somebody and they say, "I want to kill you," and that's all you hear <laughs> from them, you're not gonna. You know, language hasn't saved you. It's just made you understand how fucking stupid you were. You know, <laughs> there is that absolutely. If that irks, if that irks at you, fair enough. I think that's perfectly. You know, it's 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 not going to answer all questions. Basically, it's not going to tick all boxes. Nothing ever does. But I I get that. There's always something that bugs you about films that you love and you're allowed to have them. Yeah, but that's it. I mean, uh, other than that, I mean, I think for now, for now, that's probably the only thing that I see as a negative is what I just pointed out. Other than that, you know, I, I don't think that they, they played on stereotypes too much. I think that I would have liked to see a little bit more diversity in the film, uh, perhaps. It would be more a reflection mm. of, of uh, the landscape in the United States. I mean, I know that Colonel Weber is black, but I would have liked to see uh, maybe a Muslim in there, an Arab or something like that. You know, I, maybe I missed it. Maybe there is someone Sure. there on the team but I, I would have liked to see perhaps just a little bit more diversity so perhaps instead of making it on such a, a global scale you know that you have someone inside the United States that is American but also has these cultural roots uh, that are that are in in um, in I don't know somewhere where it actually has a conflict with the United States sure. and that might have actually helped my my um, my little problem of being naive I think that having having the different cultures come together not necessarily in a worldly but even in a microcosm might have actually given me the just a little bit the little bit of, uh, of uh, diversity that I needed in the film I think that makes perfect sense I mean if you're going naive why not be completely you know why not go for full out wish fulfillment you know why still portray America to be like mostly governed by jaded white guys when you could you know 
be more representative uh, and, and more idealistic entirely. You know, I get that. That makes that makes sense. It should have maybe been a little more simple yeah. to help further its simple ideas. Possibly. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I thought that it would have been a better representation of how the United States is trying to evolve uh, in terms of cultural acceptance. I would yeah. Say. Yeah. No, that, that, that makes perfect sense to me. So that was my only, my only negative. Yeah. <laughs> that's even then that's that's it's not really a big negative. So that's interesting. <laughs> it's a nitpick. It's exactly. such, such a nitpick. Yeah, it's yeah. such a nitpick, <laughs> you know. So anyway, so I, I do. I have I have a, a, a kind of solid negative to me, uh, and it's because it's not much, it's not so much the intention of the film, but the the film itself. What I like to see when it comes to screenwriting and you know storytelling at the very end of the film, I didn't feel the emotional connect it was trying to to give me to Louise and the decision she made. Uh, although I understood it, but I didn't feel it because the the relationships that she felt, I don't feel were well enough explored to warrant it. So what I mean by that is, while we understand that, you know, Louise made the hard call, and I, I do have something incredible, uh, you know, incredibly positive to say about the ending as well, and about Louise's decision to sort of, as a character, put herself through the worst, you know, because of the best as such, you know, she decides mm -hmm. to keep, yeah. to go with the family, even though she knows the heart-wrenching pain she'll experience through it. That's perfectly understandable. From, from my perspective, outside the film, I completely understood her reasoning, and I thought that there was no other option, you know. I, I, I think even the character makes that pretty clear in the film. There was no alternative than to go down that route, because that's her life, you know, that's what she has, and that's also her daughter's life, as, you know, short-lived as it is. That's, you know, that's important. At the same time, there's a lot about the filmmaking that's kind of asking us to, to maybe bring a little too much to the table from our own perspective so while we are oh, getting this point. moving montage that has this like swelling emotional music pulling through it and we are experiencing some quite obviously tender and sweet and heartbreaking scenes between these characters what we're kind of being asked to do is project a little of our understanding of those relationships that we aren't actually shown in the film so much as teased so her relationship with uh, Jeremy Renner's character Ain which, to be fair, I thought was handled really well in its, you know, basic lack of handling. At the same time, I feel that if they want us to feel the real weight of their connection by the end, we should have definitely had way more scenes with them connecting, not just one sort of sit-down talk and then a bunch of work. And if they want to have us connect with the loss of her daughter, I think a little more than sweet, touching, itty-bitty moments in almost pure montage form at the start, at the end, and little tiny snippets in between. We're given scenes of her, we're given, but they're mostly for the context of the narrative, where the conversations with the daughter right. help us understand what's the next step in the plot, and therefore kind of help us explain the uh, the narrative device of her ability to see through her own life at any particular point. I mean, that's important for that side of the story, but when it comes to the payoff that they're asking us to have emotionally for her and her relationship to her daughter, we don't see enough. We do see some, but we don't see enough of her really growing with her in a sense to really feel that the loss of that feels earned within the story itself. Now, the thing is, that's not always a bad thing. Shorthand when it comes to like emotional payoff, and so you know, in a way, in this film, it is it is kind of good. I, I I argue a little bit against it, but there are films that really benefit from just having relationships, you know, given to us lightly, not put in the test, because there's more to say than just 
what these characters feel. I think that's fine, but my my argument against it would be that Arrival is is kind of like it's 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 predominantly a cautionary moral tale. It's a critical fiction. It is a a movie that has important themes pushed onto an audience that in an accessible way in a you know it's it's an alien invasion movie, one of our oldest most popular blockbuster sensational audience drawing themes. In that we have got this really sensitive story and this really optimistic message about communication and understanding that we you know this it's important for people to know even if it's not entirely one-to-one applicable to real life what's strange then about the relationship thing then is that the story is the basis of the moral of the story is that we are giving a message to the people so we're not letting them interpret a lot of the subtext we are giving it to them then if we are asking them to bring their understanding of heartbreak and relationships to the film then the film is falling just short of being a complete 100% critical package we should be able to experience all of these pieces in the film because that's the, the film's primary motive is to give us these experiences now again that's not like it's really, it's, I'm not saying this is like, oh, and that's why it's, it's a disaster, you know. I'm saying that this is why, for me personally, this fi- this film fell short of the mark of being beyond admirable. And that it could weave this beautiful, tragic relationship story, these this, this really strong character story, with this bigger, bombastic, thematic ex- exploration of humanity, you know. To, to be able to tackle both and have them complement each other, it, it does, and it does in a lot of ways, but it doesn't do in, in that one small small way that I think it really kind of needed because that final five minutes I'm I'm kind of a sap I have cried at like lesser films this year and I I wasn't even remote I, I was I, I understood the sadness but I wasn't moved and that that's kind of I, I'm not saying I should have cried but I'm saying I should have should have felt like like this was this was about the characters and not about what the film was saying a little more so that's that's my negative and I have to agree with you because listen, I'm a father of two and I, I felt exactly the same as you did i knew it wanted me to cry and it didn't make me cry the beginning of up makes me cry every fucking time yeah every exactly fucking time and that's I watch that movie, that's relationship I cry. shorthand it's an animation and uh, that's it but i mean yeah and it's not because i'm a cold-hearted bastard no it's because to me it seemed like it might have been a little bit predictable in the end that they were trying to get me to feel that and i would have maybe liked them to use something different Hmm. than a child something that that like you said they would have explored it in a, in, a, in a better way i thought that maybe the child might have been the easy way out uh, because they're like well who are the heartless bastards that are not going to be able to associate to this well yeah. you found uh, you're two. looking yeah you found them i mean <laughs> and that's, i have kids that's not yeah that's <laughs> not fair i mean at the same time because look at only this year your emotional reaction to midnight special which centers on a child and we spent the time with the relationship between yeah. that child and it's also a science fiction and it's also a critical fiction about you know yeah. about these big messages mm-hmm. about humanity. There is a lot packed in the Midnight Special that yeah. focuses. And that and one it, hit me hard. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't like. I again, I didn't cry, but at least I felt it. You know, I was like, oh my god, this is devastating, and I felt it. And I, w- I wasn't bringing anything to that. I had experienced it with them. Mm-hmm. In this, I was bringing my yeah, own right. my own baggage to the film and giving it a hand you know, in telling its own story. And that's, that's, that's falling short of one of its 
of its main objectives if it's taking the time out to make this emotional montage payoff at the end i shouldn't have to be making the leg work put it that way okay cool all right so now that we've pissed everyone off yeah. <laughs> but that's it so that, that those would be probably the negatives that we have about the movie and i think i agree with you 100 you know and i'm i'm going to definitely pay attention to it when i see it again obviously i will have seen it by the time you guys listen to this but i will have other i haven't written up my review yet to put yeah, on yeah. on film faculty and I, I, it's one i want to spend time on so Positives, 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 positives. A lot of people have been talking about communication uh, about this film. Everything, everywhere I read, every like little snippet I've read, they all deal with communication. And I'm, you know, I get it, you know, that the movie is telling us, you know, getting people to band together and help each other out for like change. But I mean, let's look at all the films this year, especially the two big superhero films that have come out, maybe Batman versus Superman and Captain America Civil War. That have heroes fighting one another over differences of opinion, you know, especially yeah. in Civil War. Mm-hmm. And then you'll even have Suicide Squad and Doctor Strange, or people that are forced to work together, even though their natural instincts are telling them otherwise. Right. You know, so I mean, you already have this narrative that's kind of been laid out for you throughout the entire year. And here, Arrival comes in November, and we're kind of still talking about the same thing. Now, I kind of get that, and I thought, from a very positive point of view, for me, I thought it was very responsible of Villeneuve dial the hostility down to almost nothing so as to explore the real theme of Arrival the implicit themes of perception and perspective right that mm-hmm. to me are the real themes of Arrival great and so Villeneuve's message in Arrival is for us the audience to reassess our perception of how things are done how we interact with each other how we evaluate threat how we communicate with one another etc and do a complete 180 in terms of our perspective on culture society civilization and perhaps even existence itself now if we look at perception perception itself okay i, I i'll read two definitions that i picked up right. on, on what perception is number number one and i quote uh, perception is the ability to see hear or become aware of something through the senses which is the basic way of seeing what perception is but from a psychological point of view this is the second definition it's uh, the neurophysiological processes including memory by which an organism becomes aware of and interprets external stimuli and so i thought that those two definitions were great because when i was watching arrival i knew there was something that was fucking with me i was like there's something here there's something here that's that Villeneuve is doing that i'm really enjoying and i put my finger on it as i was walking home and as i was thinking about it i, w- I was thinking about if i think perception obviously i would normally associate it with the eyes yeah the the thing that most people become aware of you know with things of course you can perceive things through the other senses but in order to show smell through film you'd have to have a screening of the rocky horror picture <laughs> show which is <laughs> i understand why a lot of ink has been poured over the the theme of communication especially after what happened in the u.s uh, recently uh, yeah i don't want to yeah. get into it you know the election no, and stuff no, like that no. and you know the public like this public cry to band together instead of being divided has reached like this really critical boiling point and i've heard people say that this film couldn't have come out at a better time because it's exactly the message everyone needs to see or hear and although i agree with that uh, i think the film does show people disagreeing much more than they are agreeing yeah that's true you know so i i wanted to bring it back to what you said you said that it's, perhaps it's a cautionary tale you know this we have to reevaluate a bunch of things but i think that although communication might be the explicit theme you know perception is the implicit theme and Villeneuve shows the audience through the use of visual language uh, that he adopted for the film and how can i put as i was you know, I was watching the film and I noticed that Villeneuve was paying really close attention to Louise's eyes and also her hands. Yeah, yeah. And 
I kind of realized in hindsight that he had also recuperated that imagery through shot design and even in the structure of the spaceships, which is Jason's crackpot theory coming <laughs> I like I've heard this one. I don't even think it is crackpot at all. I think this is just right. damn right but, smart interpretation. <laughs> well, well, here we go. I mean, one of the first shots of the film has the camera kind of traveling forward and it tilts down from the ceiling onto a large window in Louise's house. Hmm. And the shot, in my opinion, is meant to kind of uh, I don't know evoke an upside down blinking eye okay just keep that in mind right, for now right, just keep yeah. that imagery in high, like you know your eyelid normally blinks from top to bottom but because but you know in my opinion because Villeneuve wants the audience to modify their perception uh, flip it 180 degrees if you will he turns the blinking upside down and turning the, the way that we normally see things up on their head you know what I mean right. mm-hmm. so the camera itself the shot goes in it travels and it brings it down now Villeneuve does that three times in the film which kind of fun for me because three is one of those magic numbers that shows up in fairy tales quite a bit so it goes back to the cautionary tale that you were talking about a little bit earlier it is the magic number as the song says exactly <laughs> and to support my weird blinking eye or reverse blinking eye claim, uh, claim I, uh, I looked at how the spaceships were designed and how the humans actually enter the ship and to me when i was looking at them very closely after that i kind of figured that they looked like giant pupils yeah. you know perhaps even the lens part of the absolutely eye. and the hole in which the humans go is kind of like an optic nerve and Villeneuve shifts the camera three times uh, again going up going again that that 180 degrees so the first shot is from the buggy this is when they're entering the ship the first shot is from the buggy it's an establishing shot from inside the hall of the ship and the humans are still on the buggy and once they jump they land on the wall the camera has shifted 90 degrees and they all walk up the hall. And once they get to the end, the camera goes back to an establishing shot to show that the humans are in fact walking on the ceiling. So Villeneuve has to turn his camera around again, 180 degrees for a shot reverse shot to start with Abbott and Costello, the aliens, right? So now we've completely turned everything on its head. It's so wonderful how he, he did that. And the window that they communicate through the window or, I don't know, well, the screen or anyway, they, they put things on it that separates the humans and the heptapods to me was like a, a retina where the images are protected, you know, until the brain processes right, the right. information. And so now like a camera, the image on the retina is reversed. Hence the reason they would have been walking on the yeah. ceiling. Yeah, sure. And then the camera would shift back to a regular shot, reverse shot. So it's like we're entering this space where light is being refracted, but light in terms of how space is divided and things like that. I thought that in order to shift our communication or our perception of communication, we had to do that 180 degrees. And Villeneuve does it with his camera. And so he's using this subtle eye imagery to suggest the change in perception that Louise might have throughout the film as well. And so I had lots of fun trying to de- decipher all that. And the fun thing about the glass there, and this is pushing it maybe a little bit too far, but I don't <laughs> Never. know. Just go ahead. It reminded me a little bit of the glass when you go visit prisoners. Right, yes. You know, you have that, you know, people sitting on opposite sides of the glass. Now, unless you pick up that phone, again, we're going back to communication, then the only means of communication is through symbols, essentially highlighting the fact that languages are prisons of perception, right? Right, right. And that the choices we make, the emotions we feel, you know, the choices that we make and the emotions we feel are what unite us. And if only we could bring ourselves to understand that our experience is all the same, regardless of the communication barrier, then we'd all be better for it. So, the glass now, in my opinion, represents how we need to change what we see on the other side. That's the first thing we need to do yeah. before we communicate. We have to change the way we see things in order to change the way we communicate about them. Right. Yeah. And so, as I was saying, in my opinion, I think that there is an explicit 
theme of communication, but the implicit theme is perception. And that's where it has to start, you know? And I mean, there's other images that go out throughout the film. Um, uh, there's the, oh, uh, the, the narrow hallways. That yes, the military, the military. Tents, you know, yes. Demonstrate the, nar- the narrow mindedness of the military versus the, the spaciousness of Louise's house with that large window in the back that leads to a vast lake to show how open-minded she is or how she'll become essentially saying that Louise sees the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah. And also Villeneuve is really, really keying in on these visual cues that to me deal a lot more with perception than they do with communication. Sure, yes. So that was one of the big things that I really, really loved uh, uh, about Arrival. And I'm looking forward to seeing it my second time so that I can just walk out like yeah. puffy-chested and be like, yeah, I was right. <laughs> oh, exactly. Um... I I like I like that um the spaceship I theme because it's something I did actually pick up on myself and I cool. I didn't have I like I didn't follow this through but I did have a quick sort of general theory that someone could absolutely research into if they want you have my blessing there is there's this notion uh, I don't know if I, I'm sure you everybody who fucking did any sort of literary criticism did um Ralph Waldo Emerson uh oh absolutely I know where you're going with yeah this yeah well so like it's, it's something I always loved as an image that it was his concept of this like all-seeing I this this concept of this it's this yeah, basically exactly. it's this, this well either floating or walking eye that walks among us uh, and it was one of his key sort of interpretations to his um, his theory on transcendentalism which is the um, yep. it's it's basically finding a way to commune to God it, well that was his it, was, it could be read as finding higher knowledge or you know better understanding but his I think his interpretation at the time was that to communicate with God it's to say it's, he equates it to one or the other so I I found it really interesting that these like these creatures that are of a whole entire interpret you know interpretation of nature onto themselves travel Absolutely. in this floating eye that we just and we can't comprehend them and they are our link to understanding ourselves better and you know the, the world better in itself i thought film web very cleverly done a quick little nod there to emerson you know it's uh he's taken it yeah, in absolutely. a very literal sense uh yeah. and i thought that was very cool i mean i didn't if somebody wants to follow that out and try to find more emerson you know nature references in there by all means you've got a long day's work ahead of you but <laughs> oh yeah definitely I mean, even like Walt Whitman stuff yeah you know, like Song of Myself or you know it's all it's the all-seeing eye you know that capital I in the alphabet represents that I-Y-E-I yeah yeah exactly. so whenever you're studying like the American you know transcendentalism movement like from the 1830s that's exactly what it is yeah you're 100% right you know to pick up on that you know they even the, the, the circle you know that, that he uses yeah yeah exactly exactly uh I, I just thought that was you know real realistically it was a pretty cool idea i hope that you know that's kind of what they were going for otherwise i'm a crazy person <laughs> i don't think you're crazy at all i mean look at the symbols that the that the uh, the heptapods use yeah the language exactly the language that they use is all circular everything is circular but there's always that little gap you know and that that's essentially how an eye works yeah there is a yeah. gap where the pupil goes so whatever you kind of interpret, whatever you kind of perceive will go through that pupil and you can make the rest of the eye understand yeah. whatever's going on. So there is that circularity. Even the narrative of the movie is circular. Oh, oh yeah, right? of course. Yeah, exactly. The so, whole, yeah. So yeah, obviously there is oh an God. emphasis on, on circularity, maybe not unity because there isn't a closed circle. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, pa- like a palindrome will work, but I mean, it'll go back to forth, but you know, there is a circularity, but there isn't a unity and that's the missing link that we're going to, that you want to. 
wanted to talk. Yes, about. what I yes, what I wanted to come back to a little uh, from what I was saying earlier because I did I, I mentioned it about an, in in my sort of talk on on the negative about Louise and the ending. I did say I wanted right. I had something I wanted to say about uh, how I saw that very positively at the, at the same. Right, and it's the it was in the the thematic idea that uh, Louise makes the hard call. You know. Uh, yeah. She decides to live this harder life where her husband will leave her uh, and blame her and her daughter will die of cancer, you know, and, and, and right. we don't see past that point. But, you know, we know we, she experiences horrible, horrible loss through her life mm-hmm. and she still decides that's that's the future she needs to take. So she takes the hard path, you know, she takes the tougher choice because that's experience and that's living and that's what we have to do to improve ourselves and such. I, I really liked how that complemented the entire notion of the film because yes. idealistically we are learning this communication trick from the aliens because we are to better ourselves in time for in, in the narrative's plain way you know 3,000 years aliens are gonna come back we're gonna have to help them somehow yeah but we're given the tools to start you know and the, the hard the hard part of, of progress of, of learning something is that we now have to sit down and actually teach it to ourselves to progress it mm-hmm. and to in the case of the of the story's narrative they have to learn you know they're going to have to learn to perceive and communicate I'll, I'll just that a little to take in your your idea and in order to do that you know it's it's hard work and they're going to have to, to you know basically fight through the tougher choices they're going to have to fight past the easy options you know louise could have chosen to shun having the daughter so she doesn't feel the heartbreak you know she could have realistically she could have lived a happy life and groundhog day her way to the 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 best solution for herself you know if that's if that's how that power of understanding worked for, for example because she seems to say she had a choice in the matter and uh, she seems to think at least jeremy renner's character ain her husband blames her for choosing wrong you know so there's a choice she could have yeah. taken the easy way or the hard way she takes the hard way and that complements the idea that we have to make the hard step now film was all about the hard choices learning to understand each other learning to sit down and rationalize other uh people other beings anything you know take a concept in sit and take the time to perceive it rather than rushing into it with answers and solutions that i think there is a circularity in that you know there's definitely again as you were saying it's definitely one of the major themes of the of the film is that circularity so i i thought that was a really it's just damn smart damn it (laughs) oh it's brilliant like i said i mean this this is one of the reasons why i think Villeneuve is a very he's a guy that's now on the radar yeah he's a guy that now like he this is one like he he just basically dropped his balls on the table and he said don't fuck with me (laughs) i'm like all right fine sicario was a really a great step in the right direction and i think that uh arrival just confirms that step now now we now we've got a, a a fantastic director and i'm looking forward to seeing more of his stuff because this really brought his game up a notch i mean not not i'm not shitting on his other movies no no this is different this is a different one this is very different. yeah exactly i think uh, as far as his progression has gone he's taken that notable step to make films that are a lot more open in interpretation and subtext yeah. and say against like some of his earlier work uh i'd like for example my favorite film so far of Film Web is um Film Niv. <laughs> I'll get it right. <laughs> film Niv is uh is Prisoners. Yeah. Is a film that I, you know, on a personal level, even though, you know, I you know, it speaks to loss in a way that I will never have experienced at this point in my life. But as as for a complete story, narrative, and understanding its characters from start to finish, I completely 
understood that film and loved it and appreciated it for all the things it managed to do. Yeah. And I, I you know, it's it's one that if I had a personal preference, it's one I'm going to go back to because it's it's something I, I enjoyed experiencing more fully. But at the same time, what uh, Phil Neuve is doing at this point is is stepping up to sort of Kubrick-esque levels where we, uh, we have more we have more to say than the film we're trying to make and we have more to fuck around with to get that across and I, that's always exciting that's and that's that's what makes classics like actual classics so oh yeah uh, so this is, I mean, incredible time to be alive for films. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, we're headed in the right direction right now, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, uh, now, now perhaps superhero fatigue is kicking in. And, uh, I knew you were going to say it. Yeah, but that's, I get what you mean. Studios are starting to invest in, into other things. Yeah, if, if superheroes represent blockbuster cinema, box office magic as it stands now, and... The, the consensus seems to be a slow pull against it as all box office trends move what comes next well the next most successful things are these more cerebral films surprisingly things that are mm-hmm. way over overpowering their budget and at least from a financial perspective companies are going to see that they're going to see that mm-hmm. they can spend a tenth of the budget give it to some guy who knows what the fuck they're doing and they're going to make a classic exactly. that's going to you know, it's going to be in the DVD collection of people for years to come, you know, or the iTunes collection or whatever, you know. So I think trends like that develop at, at these sort of tipping points. And I think we're right. very close to that next tipping point where we're going to see a lot of a lot more faith in moving past these blockbusters or at least tel- taming them down a little in scale to have them, you know, manageable. While right. at the same time, seeing the potential in more critical stories like Arrival that, uh, that you can make for far, far less money. And people are going to rave about for years to come. What was the budget on Arrival? Do you know? You got it's like fifty million or something, isn't it? Exactly, it was forty-seven million. Yeah, it's that. I mean, come on, that is that's actually a tenth of like Captain America. Yeah, can't, can't comprehend for what it goes into. I mean, wow. <laughs> And, and and think about fucking Midnight Special. I mean, like, what was that? Like, it had to be under 10 million or something. Oh, shit. I didn't even check. Let me check. I'll tell you. Yeah, that. yeah. 18. Oh, wow. Probably on, on stellar act- acting rules, you know. I um, I like I like what you were pointing out earlier. Louise making the big choice. Because it reminded me of, of something my girlfriend, who is incredibly smarter than I am, <laughs> said as she was walking out of the movie theater as we were walking home. Uh, we were talking about Louise's choice. And I said, what, what would you do? And she says well she says the first thing i thought of was was uh in terms of philosophy she said it reminded me of the wizard of oz and i was like okay what the fuck are you talking <laughs> wow. about and then i started piecing it in my mind and then she explained it to me she said that she presented the story as i think she said how can i put it she said had dorothy known that she could click her heels three times and just go home would she have done it? and i was like wow okay i mean would she have gone on the adventure so I think the movie is basically saying that, yeah, the adventure is worth it, you know, because of what you get out of it, you know? Yeah, exactly. But that is a a very good question. I mean, would Dorothy, had she known, had she known, would she have clicked her heels three times and just fucked off? Instead of visiting Munchkin, you know? exactly. That's that's uh, that's amazingly insightful. I can't believe the two guys that run this fucking show can't come up with shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was, I was really impressed. I was like, hey, that's a really good point. You know, damn right. Jeremy Renner could be Toto. <laughs> uh, there's uh, there's one thing, one last thing I wanted to address on my side, and right. it was um, a lot of people had been saying that uh, Jeremy Renner's uh, line to to Louise was kitsch. Like uh, he said that uh, what was the line again? 
Uh, says, I, you know, I thought I was coming here to see them, but I was actually coming here to meet you. Something like that. Yeah, and that's really cool because, I mean, if you're talking about kitsch lines, well, fine. But I, I think they're worse than that. Oh, uh, to yeah, me, that played, certainly. <laughs> to me, that played heavily in what I was talking about in terms of perception, right? right. Just the audience that's perceiving it as something that's kitsch. But for him, I mean, his perception has been changed. And not because of the aliens, because of how he sees her, what she's accomplished, right? But then knowing after that that he leaves as a result of her decision, his perception changes again. He thought she knew her right so there is a i won't call it a communication breakdown but there is a shift in how he views the same person yeah yeah which is essentially what we do all our lives you know we we spend our lives talking with people and at the same time even if they're not there we might actually change our point of view and if we meet them again we might not necessarily be as accepting yeah no that's something i also i really liked about jeremy renner's role um how understated his characterization was and that's one of the lines that i i like when i went to see the film i went to see it with lawrence who who now writes for big picture reviews uh and he he was of the crowd that you know thought that it was bad good that just went straight back round into being bad again and I, I, I debated it with him that I thought that, yes, I get that, but as for characterization, how to tell that that character isn't quite on Louise's level, you know? isn't No, he's not. You're absolutely right. And, you know, he's while he's, you know, science and she's linguistics, she has the upper advantage here. She sees the whole timeline. She makes the harder call. he mm-hmm. He's so not in the moment, he actually sees it as a chance to be romantic, you know? Mm-hmm. And I read it that way and thought, wow, he is possibly as naive as the rest of us are, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's that I thought was just damn good writing. I mean, he's yeah. he's just so simple in the face of it all, and I I, I really appreciated it. And I thought it was I, I mean, again, if we're going if you're going into the film looking for a, you know a romantic one liner, you're not gonna get it. But, uh, yeah. but that's not what the film's about, so I don't know why you would be looking for it. Put it that way. <laughs> uh, to me, I thought it was a, I thought it was a great line because it goes to show you just what perception can do, right? Mm. He needed he you know experiences bring people together that's one of those things that just happens you know yeah. there's there's a, a commonality that there is between like shared experience and i mean you have it all the time look at how many people gather to watch fucking baseball games or football games and stuff like that look at this look at the, look at the show we run we don't even live in the same fucking country <laughs> exactly there you go there's that and so to me it was awesome you know and that's to me it was awesome that he needed to see them in order to see her yeah yeah do you understand yeah. I, I thought it was great because his perception was 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 refracted through them to her which i thought was really really great yeah, you know yeah. it goes back to how you know the eye interprets infor- in, 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 information exactly exactly i like and the very so, core use of the word refracted there <laughs> taking out my math skills oh yeah <laughs> but I, I thought it was i thought it was a great line because not all lines are meant to be like very poetic or something like sure. that because that to me in my opinion that makes it that makes him more human Definitely. that makes him uh, the kind of guy that i would like to get to know because he sees things in very simple terms. Absolutely, that's ex- that is exactly where I stand on that character. He is he's just human. That's that's again that kind of ties into why I wanted to see more of their relationship because I wanted to feel like they were right, okay. both human, not just uh, as more thematic understandings than they were human. Because he's mm-hmm. so clearly human that I felt that we should have seen more of that side of Louise a little to understand mm-hmm. her understanding of him. But yeah, no, I, I, I entirely agree. Uh, again, perfect. I don't know. I think I think Louise understands him. Well enough, and I don't think it's it's communicated in in how they interact, but I think it's how it, Louise interacts with uh, Abbott and Costello, right? Mm. Louise 
is beyond what any of these people are capable of doing because that's why they recruit her. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, her concept, like the way she perceived things is, is clearly stated in the movie, in my opinion, uh, because she takes off her suit in order for the for the heptapods to make the differentiation between human and, and her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? And so I think that that, if I just take that and I apply it to how she sees Renner and how she sees Weber, there's a clear differentiation that's being made. She understands who he is. We don't need to get that because if she is able to understand that she needs to make the difference with the heptapods, yeah. then there's, it, it's clear to me that she understands everything else that's going there as well right her language even in terms of how she uses her body to communicate there's just enough there's enough information for us i i i do agree i mean again it's not a whole loss there's definitely enough there that we can fill the gaps ourselves you know my specific criticism was about the if it was pushing a message it shouldn't have relied on us to fill so many gaps but okay at the same time i i totally i think it did make most of the right choices i i'm not going to take that away from it at all i I wouldn't want to affect the pacing of this film one second either, because I think it was bang right where it should have ended, and, you know, it didn't feel at any yeah. point like it was too long, or too slow, or too boring, or too going over too many of the same details. It was perfect from start to finish in that sense, you know, as a, as a film being edited, chopped together, and put back out. I had no criticisms for it whatsoever. I thought it was damn fine. So oh, yeah, it, that's I, I wouldn't want to mess with the structure. I don't think I'm, I'm making a case that I would like to re-edit uh, Arrival for more relationship stuff. I'm just saying what I would have liked to have seen more. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and the last thing that I wanted to, uh, to talk about is the title. I think the title is brilliant. Uh, Arrival, uh, to fit in with the palindrome of Hannah, I thought was glorious because the movie itself is somewhat of a palindrome. You know, uh, we, we have this beginning, we have this middle, and we have this end. And if we look at how the end and the beginning play together, yeah. it is a palindrome. It's the same right? sequence, yeah. There is, it's a circular narrative, as we were talking about, just like the, the her name, the name that she names her daughter. And she, she's explicit about yeah, it. Yeah, well, it's not, movie, it's not a circular. Um, it's, it's sort of like a, a reflective rather than yeah, a circle. That's a, yeah. yeah, it's 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 basically the the two lines of communication they meet in the middle, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Right, and I thought that Arrival was good enough. It was a, it was a fantastic title because it both signals a beginning and an end. You know, you could be waiting for someone as much as you're expecting a new development. You know, yeah. and so I always thought that 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 one little point, that one little point where those two things meet, leads to very different interpretations. Absolutely. And so just just looking at, at 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 Arrival as 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 a word, I was like, wow. To me, the tagline of the movie doesn't even make sense why are they here it doesn't even matter no it, it, it doesn't, doesn't that's matter. not the point I, I i i entirely agree i would say i did find uh the actual forcing of the title into the narrative a little much you know okay. that like uh forrest whitaker's character says they've arrived and i don't think he would ever say that i don't think that makes any sense for him to say no. that but i no, he's from boston right? exactly you know like, uh, they're here yeah ex exactly <laughs> you know it, it didn't feel like a human being said it. i don't even think a military man would say it i uh you know i just i i, I but at the same time i, I can't fault the the title choice at all i um it, like the way i interpreted it, it was like a sort of you look at it as as people study the path to enlightenment you know sort of like in your in your typical 
sort of Buddhism karma, uh, you know, the, the, this idea of nirvana and, and that end where we gain all the knowledge, you know, it's frequently sort of touted as arriving to that journey, you know, to that point, he, uh, you have arrived to that Absolutely. point. So I got that sort of connotation. And I think that echoes Louise's journey in this story. So I absolutely I uh, I totally got that. I, I want to say the one little tidbit I have is that I'm glad the film didn't make the missteps that I so expected it to that I would have okay. absolutely hated. So I didn't want it. I didn't want this to be like an actually violent film. I did. I, oh, my God. I, I really didn't want the fucking aliens to turn against them. I, oh, definitely. Yeah. I, it's like it would have con- completely destroyed the, the the idea behind the entire story if they were actually threatening you know if they yeah. if they intended to harm humans then there's no message the game it's an action film and at that point it's not only it's a it's a slow-paced and very overwrought action film it, so uh that would have been a a terrible decision. I like there was no retaliation from, uh, I think, was it Costello who dies? And then Abbott's the one who survives? Oh, yeah, yeah. I like that there was no retaliation, you know, uh, that, that he was like, this shit happens, we were aware that you guys were primitive. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they probably, they <laughs> already like saw that. it. That's the thing. If they have the same trick, you know, the same trick as Louise learns, they already know that this is where it ends for yeah. Costello. And uh, did you did you like the absence of a preposition? He is death process. Oh, yeah, I love that. Because uh, less less pointed it out my, my girlfriend pointed it out and she says did you notice that he didn't use a preposition the fact that he is death process it's just another tangent yeah time. you know he's not in that time it's just a different timeline yeah yeah, you know, yeah it's exactly. very pragmatic about it you know he's not gone he's just there yeah this is this else. is the end part you know the stop line before he goes back or so on yeah exactly it's, it's all it's all you know it, it, it's how it just shows how they they see things differently yeah yeah which is great it's, yeah which kind of Brings us to, uh, you mentioned Louise just a minute earlier, uh, to the performances. I um, I don't know. How did you feel about the performances overall? I mean, uh, we've already kind of talked about um, Jeremy Renner as Ain and how he kind of was understated uh, yeah. and how he brought that to the performance. And that's there's something really great to appreciate that. But I mean, I think everyone will agree this is Amy Adams. Is, this is her show. Yes. Uh, this is not an easy character to portray because not a lot is spoken. Most of her thoughts are interior, even on top of that, you know, like, when she comes to talking to people, she doesn't give a lot of information away, she's kind of direct, and she takes her work seriously. I was sold on her as a professional, and I complete sense of dread of the, t- of the, of the, of the time pressure and the experience being forced upon her. Right. The, the way we, we spend so long with just close-ups of her face, just in sort of dispassionate distance. Mm-hmm. I, it's incredible. It, it sold so much on such an... Again, it's, I would say, almost understated performance. Uh, it's it's a stellar performance, all in all. Yeah. She looks affected the entire movie. Yeah. And it's... There's one... We don't necessarily he, see her smile all that much. She really looks like she's hiding something. Like, there's something reserved in her performance. And just that... Just playing it slightly understated as she did. You could kind of grasp that there was a lot of thinking involved. Like you said, a lot of the stuff, mm. you know, comes from inside. And she was able to really kind of, I don't know, capture the, the, the I would say, the nervousness of, of the task ahead. You know, uh, yeah, you know Jeremy absolutely. Renner's character, Ian, he looked like he was having a little bit more fun at first, you know, but he does, he does vomit when he comes out after his first experience. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, Adams herself seems to be going through something completely, completely different you know they're coming at this from very very different perspectives and it's fun because that would that would happen i mean she's a linguist and he he's a he's a physicist and so they're 
really going to have different approaches to these types of things and you can see it in the way that they behave and i thought yeah. that was really really cool and uh forrest whitaker uh, aside from the strange accent he decided to pull off the boston one mm. i don't know why he did that uh, i don't know if the script I, I thought it was fine it didn't it didn't take me out of the film at all no me neither but i mean we're so used to seeing him it's it's hard to see him play a character he's forrest whitaker now and we know how he's uh, yeah it sounds yeah. like so i mean it's it's it might be fun for him to give himself that challenge but at first i was like oh it took me out of the movie just for a second when he when he started speaking i was like oh he's doing a boston accent look at that <laughs> you know? so it was a bit weird yeah yeah me. other than that though he's great in the movie i mean i know I, 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 like I think he, as if because we don't get any real central antagonist right we have to see it through whitaker's role and he's really just a you know an answers man you know he's he's kind of like a yes man to somebody we never see yeah uh he just he explains where a lot of the human tension is coming from. Mm. To try and get that across without see, seeming sort of forced into the script or hackneyed is, I would say, a challenge in itself for a supporting role. So I, I thought he did he, he did a damn good job of what was given. Oh, I agree. And even the same the same thing can be said about Michael Stuhlbarg. Uh, he was fine in his in his role. But I, like you said earlier, I mean, if this was really Amy Adams's movie, and as Dr. Louise Banks, mm. she's great, and her role was completely understated. It, it, it hmm. came off as so normal that you couldn't help but believe her. And I really don't right. see Amy Adams in the movie. I really see Dr. Louise Banks. And I really think that, that having her role understated in that way is a real testament to how she was able to kind of grasp everything that was going around her because she knew that the movie mm. was going to be filtered through her eyes. And so, yeah, I really think that this is, it's probably, it's probably the best performance I've seen her give anyway. No, yeah, I, I would imagine so. It's, it's got that whole, it's got, it's got, it's a very serious role for a serious actress. Mm. I really do like Amy Adams and things. And even still, only the other week I saw Nocturnal Animals, which she's in as well. And, uh, right. I would, I would say there's maybe much less for her to work with in Nocturnal Animals. And it's very much less a about her right but she she does a really good job there as well with a kind of you know a, a very selfish and self-motivated character right in a very human way so uh she, I, she's she frequently impresses me so i i i'm just glad to see her in film more focused on films that i would like to see her do right so this is this is great this is a great progression to me <laughs> oh i agree and that's it I, I was just thinking while you were speaking as well uh and I think the other performance that I really appreciated of hers was uh, in The Master. She plays... Um, uh, oh, she's La in The Master. Yeah, she plays Lancaster Dodd's wife. And um, yeah, she was great in that. She, You could tell that she's kind of the one pulling the strings, you know? So she, yeah. she has that intensity. And I think that in, in a very... In a performance like the one that she gives in, in, in Villeneuve's Arrival, you know, it just goes to show how talented she is. I really think that this is a really wonderful, wonderful performance of hers. And uh, mm. yeah, I'm just hoping that she gets something for it. So uh, is that it? What do we got? That's we, it. Is there anything else? That we, that's it? Yeah, that's 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 good to final thoughts. Okay. I want everyone to go see this movie. Absolutely. I want everyone to get angry at it. I want everyone to love it. I want everyone to uh, feel happy about it. I want everyone to get whatever the hell they can get from it because this is a movie that lends to interpretation. And it's one of those things that I think we can bring people together and have wonderful discussions about it, you know, to conglomerate around a movie uh, of this 
magnitude in terms of uh, what we're talking about overall narrative, yeah. uh, what it's trying to say, what it's trying to communicate to us, you know, and and try to leave uh, whatever expectations you have at the door because it's a very slow paced film. But mm-hmm. it's one of those those things. It's like a fine supper. You sit down. It's a delicacy, and you're like, I'm gonna savor this one a little bit more. And if you can see it twice, because I want Villeneuve to get as much money as he can, so that when he's done his Blade Runner sequel, he can tackle something this rich yeah. again. And so, Agreed. yeah, like I, I said, to me, I just want to reiterate the fact that, yes, com- you know, communication might be the explicit theme, but I think that perception is the implicit theme. And, and if we can all change the way we look at things, then we're all going to all be the better for it. I truly believe that. And it goes case in point with what I was talking about when we started the show with regards to Interstellar and uh, Arrival. Change your perception. These things are supposed to be seen as equals and not things that are supposed to be butting heads. Yeah. So those are my final thoughts. My final grade for Arrival is definitely a five on five. My negative, my nitpick is not enough to dislodge it. It's probably going to finish at my number two film of the year. Sure. Slightly dislodging Sing Street. Uh, Sing Street might have actually boo! Been down to number three. <laughs> uh, I understand. I understand your boo and your boo is, 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 is fine, understandable. It's fine. It's a, it's a taste thing. I got that. I, I might be a taste thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm not more of a science fiction guy, but this one was a little bit more. You are more of an interpretive guy. Uh, so that's important. Possible. It's possible that that might be it. Sing Street was one of those movies that if uh, it was raining outside today and the first movie I thought of putting on was Sing Street. It was like, ah, oh, it's fucking shitty outside. Damn right. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to put on Sing Street and make myself feel good. You yeah. know? Arrival Arrival to me is not a feel good movie. It, it's a, a make you think and want to improve yourself movie which is which is glorious uh, it's a wonderful message i can't recommend it enough and denny villeneuve denny villeneuve that's the way we say his name denny villeneuve <laughs> kudos to him uh, i love you thank you so much for making wonderful wonderful films please keep doing that do not make a superhero film <laughs> yes i um i absolutely do think it's easily definitely top 10 of my year if not top five i've seen more films of this year than you so i guess you know there's more to continue hand with from my perspective but at the same time i am a complete sucker for science fiction x-men won't make my top 10 list keep going it's it's not gonna make mine either don't worry <laughs> i can't defend it that much jesus uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. maybe suicide squad oh yeah that's it yeah really 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 fuck with people <laughs> what do i even mean anymore <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I have to change my perspective on things. It's definitely, it's definitely uh, one of the best films I've seen this year. It's definitely, it, it, it calls to the things I love in films. I love this kind of introspective science fiction. I love this medium. I love how people have been using it, especially in the last couple of years, where we've even had uh, Midnight Special, Interstellar, and I mean, we didn't mention it before. Uh, Ex Machina is again one film that I thought was very, I, I, I loved from last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, shoestring budget. It does wonders with the form. At the same time, my nitpick for it is a little something that it's more personal preference. I would have liked to, to have seen a way around it. I don't think this is a perfect film, but it is a film that I, 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 I truly admire. Uh, and I do feel is incredibly important to see and incredibly important to see more of as the years go on films just like this uh that that, that do so much wonder with interpretation of its of its pretty simple 
yet somehow complex concept, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and I get I get Nolan comparisons on that front, you know. He's he's good at his oh, he's good at no. he's good at his narrative fuckery, you know. He's definitely <laughs> he likes his he likes his narrative twist devices in the in the in the third act. I get that comparison. Not, okay. Not that he uses it to anywhere to the same extent, but yeah, Arrival, go see it. Uh, if you've already, if you've gotten this far in the show, you've probably already seen it. Otherwise, you've just destroyed the movie for yourself. In which case, tell other people to see it. Tell people about the film and and and, and recommend it to them. And and don't get bogged down in today's politics about whether it's better than one thing or another. Enjoy it for what it is. We're in a golden age, uh, ostensibly, as far as we can tell. Let's let's see how far we can get this to go. Uh, I'm happy. This is the, this is like the most positive review I've given for a film on this show since Sing Street. Oh, yeah. So anyway, go see Arrival. I, I I give it an A in my review. You can read my review. It's not as as in depth as this uh, this talk was, and I never intended it to be. Uh, obviously, because it's spoiler free as well. So you know that was that was my intention with that. But uh, all right, cool. Yeah, I got a five on five. Uh, I'll just re reiterate that. Yeah. And so I think that pretty much sums up our conversation on Arrival. Yeah. So bells are ringing outside, which means that this conversation is coming to a close. Ah, thank you, sir. Thank you for a fun conversation again tonight. Out where can ball. people find you? Yeah, you can find me on uh, bigpicturereviews.co.uk, where I, I post my reviews along with a, a talented team of four other writers. So um, uh, on, on top of that, uh, you can you can uh, check me out on at bigpicreviews on Twitter. Uh, and you can send me a message there. You can tell me that you were fucking horrified that I I preferred Interstellar over Arrival, and you can you can be wrong. I'm sure if you. I, I'll also throw this out. I hate Gravity. Enjoy that. You know. <laughs> oh, I hate that film. I think, fire it's, a, I, think I, I think it's a terrible movie. So anyway, see ya. Peace. <laughs> hey, hey, while I'm putting out fires, you can find me at film underscore faculty. Uh, you can also, on Twitter. Sorry about that. You can also check out my website. Uh, at Film Faculty, I'm on WordPress. I haven't bought the site yet, so just type in <laughs> at Film Faculty. It, my, the link is everywhere. Don't forget to uh, check us out on iTunes. Leave a comment. I forget to ask you guys to leave comments on iTunes, and yeah. I'd really love it because that would boost up our profile a little bit because you guys love us so much. Please give us a little hand there. Also, you can uh, comment on the tracks on SoundCloud. We're still waiting. I want to give a shout out to uh, Simon, Simon64. I think that's what his name on SoundCloud. He's the only guy that's commented so far. He, he appreciated the bloopers. He wanted to take the pact with us earlier when we were talking about Arrival. So I'm hoping, I'm trying to, I'm going to try to reach out to him to see how he thought. Uh, uh, arrival was, you know, what yeah, his yeah. impressions are on that. So I'm looking forward to interacting with you again, Simon. Thank you very much for commenting. I want to give a shout out also to Chelsea Wilford. Uh, she's been great. She uh, she actually listened to our Jack Reacher episode. So That's right. That yeah, was she kind put of fun. herself she, through that. That was amazing. Yeah, she probably had a fun time. So it was cool. Uh, I want to thank you guys all again for tuning in. Uh, like we said earlier, go see Arrival. Support Denis Villeneuve and, and, and his new creative endeavors and stuff like that. We'll probably be able to get much more from him. This is only the tip of the iceberg we, uh, for, in terms of where this director can yeah. go. And I guess that's about it. See you next week. Have a good bye one. Bye bye. Bye. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.